The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Well, welcome everybody to our party, and it feels like one, because <laughs> I have an in-person guest who brought her beautiful dog. So we have two dogs and two ladies right here in person, and another wonderful woman on the line that we are going to be talking with in the first segment of the program. So put on your party hat, and uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. So with me as a co-host is Mindy Colette, the fitness model. You may have seen her on the pages of Vegan Health and Fitness Magazine and other places. Hello, Mindy. Hello. How are you today? I'm terrific. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your beautiful little Shih Tzu. Thank you. And we are going to get to be better speakers in this first 20 minutes because we're going to be talking with Carol Cox of Speaking Your Brand. Carol was on about six weeks ago. You can go to the archives there at um, Main Street Vegan and uh, check out the, um, the podcast that was earlier talking about Speaking Your Brand. Because today, Carol is going to help us with some actual practical tips for being better speakers and also podcast guests and TV guests because veganism is becoming a big deal and we are having these opportunities more than we ever did in the past. So just to reintroduce Carol Cox, she is the founder of Speaking Your Brand, which helps high performers to shape their business and personal brands, share their message, and become influencers. She has her own podcast. She's a TEDx speaker and a sought-after trainer. She also has provided something special for listeners of this program. You can download a free PDF of Carol's step-by-step presentation framework. So you just go to speakingyourbrand.com slash MainStreetVegan and you can get that very helpful PDF for your very own. Welcome, Carol Cox. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's a pleasure to be back on again. It's wonderful to have you back. So just jumping right in and picking up from where we were before, what's what's the essence of what makes a really compelling and pervasive message and presentation? Well, if I had to pick just one thing, it would be storytelling. 
As humans, we love to listen to stories. That's how we learn the best, and that's how we've been doing it for thousands of years. And so when you can tell a really compelling and relatable story in your presentation, that's what's going to hook and engage your audience the most. That is so interesting that you would say that because I would have said the same thing. I was in National Speakers Association for many years, and the dues aren't cheap. And what I would really say I got from that, and it was worth every penny, was someone who said, public speakers give speeches, professional speakers weave stories together. Absolutely. And if we think about, again, the way that we learn, the way that we digest information, and also it's just more entertaining to listen to a story. If we think about movies and books and plays that we go to, they're all based on this three-act structure of stories. So when I'm working with my clients, that's actually how we... That's what we use for the structure of their presentation is a three-act structure that I've modified from film and books into using for a presentation. So how does one do that? Let's say that somebody is going to be giving a presentation... Um, to their local women's group about um, why I eat a plant-based diet. What's their three-part story? So the first act is you're setting up the situation. So in this case, it would be what is the goal that the people in the audience want to achieve and what are the problems or the obstacles that are standing in the way of them achieving that goal? So perhaps they want to lose weight. They want to get off some medications. They want to be more fit. I know Mindy is a is a fitness professional, so she could probably help people become more fit. So whatever their goal is, and then you also, as the speaker, want to identify what are those obstacles that are standing in the way of them. And then as you lead into act two, that's where you get to the, the climax of the presentation. And that's where you're presenting them with what your big idea is. So what is it that you're sharing with them that can get them over those obstacles? You're like the guide. I think we talked about this last time. You're Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the audience is Luke Skywalker. So you're helping them get past those obstacles with what your big idea is. And it's probably related to something with the with the vegan message. And then in Act 3 is the resolution. So you're helping them identify what is the very next step that they can take on their journey to get to that end goal that you would help them to realize in the first act. I love that. Me too, yeah. And then you go out excited with, with something to do. So what's the difference, Carol, between just people who get up and give talks, as lots and lots of people do, and people who change the world with their talks. One of the things I like to do is is listen to oratory, and I like to listen to Churchill and, and, and Dr. King, and I, I can't listen to them without having the hairs on my arms stand up, even though I know what they're going to say next. What What is it? Is Is that just something people are born with, or can we acquire that? I would say it's probably a little bit of both. I think that people like Dr. King and some of those profound speakers that we really gravitate to, they have a vision. They have a vision for a better world that they see, and they take that their audience along the journey of, of how to achieve that bigger vision. The other thing with professional speakers, is, as far as your original question, how how do they go out and change the world, is they're really doing it on a regular basis. It's hard to get really good at anything, and especially something like speaking, unless you're doing it fairly often. I know, Victoria, that you go out and speak at VegFest and different groups and events on a regular basis, and that helps you to hone that skill. And so that's something if you, if the listeners out there are interested in doing more speaking is finding those local groups and doing it at least once a month, maybe even every few weeks as they're starting to get more comfortable with their content and with presenting in front of a live audience. And how about online and electronically? I mean, there are a lot of podcasts out there. There's still radio and we do go on TV. So how does that differ from a live presentation? So both are really good for practicing your material to getting more comfortable with your material and getting more comfortable with your message and seeing what resonates with the audience the most. So 
doing things like podcasts and radio shows like we're doing right now is a great way to go about doing that. Facebook Live videos are very popular. So anyone with their phone or their computer can jump on and do a video. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have some preparation and planning ahead of time, but it doesn't require quite as much as, say, doing a live radio show. And then, as you mentioned, there's TV and and other types of media as well. And and that is you really do want to make sure that you have a concise and succinct message that is going to be newsworthy and relatable to whatever that that news organization or that TV show wants you to be talking about. So, Mindy, do you do Facebook Live with your fitness stuff? Uh, not with fitness stuff. I've only done it really just one time. It was when I took um, a group of friends out and we fed uh, some of the homeless people on the streets here in the city. We just walked around with um, they came over to my house and made sandwiches. We took oranges and waters out, and we just handed out sandwiches and talked to people. And I, I tried to capture as much of that live as possible. But otherwise, I don't really use it. But I think after hearing Carol's input here, <laughs> I should definitely start. So thank you for that. I always think of it, Carol, as just so much work because you do reach a point in life where lighting is important. And <laughs> by the time I do the makeup and move all the lamps around, I feel like I've just set up for a remake of Gone with the Wind, even though I know it's really important. I know Jane Velez Mitchell believes Facebook Live is going to save more animals than maybe anything else we could be doing right now. I would say, so find the medium that fits you. I like to say, as far as your message is, you can't be all things to all people, but as individuals, as entrepreneurs, as activists, we also can't be all things to every medium and every channel that is out there. So I like podcasts. That is my preferred choice of medium as far as online. I don't really do a whole lot of Facebook live videos either, Victoria, because I'm with you. It takes a lot of setup to to make them look really good, whereas podcasts, we can just talk and it doesn't matter what else is going on visually around us. So find the medium that fits you and that has the least friction for you to do it. I think that people put up these barriers and and it ends up delaying them getting their message out. You couldn't have said a more helpful thing today to me personally. Carol and Mindy is here nodding her head, too. I've been getting so much messaging just from life in the past week or 10 days about the addictive nature of the online world, particularly social media, that it's it's set up the way the tobacco industry started marketing tobacco after it was learned that it was damaging to health to try to make being on these various platforms addictive like you have to keep checking you have to go back you have to see how many smiley faces you got and it's been coming to me very clearly there are a few things that i know are just what i'm supposed to be doing in life and to have the courage to do that and let some of that other stuff go it's hard in a world that's telling you you're supposed to do everything it is. And Victoria, it's funny that you bring this up because I think I've been reading the same books and articles as you. And I've been really pulling back from a lot of my own social media usage and online marketing to really re-engage with my local community. And that's why I'm such a big advocate for public speaking in front of live audiences, because it reconnects you with people and gets us off of our screens and our devices, which certainly serve their purpose. But to your point, these app developers and Facebook and Google, they're making these things addictive to us. And so our devices are starting to control us instead of us controlling them. It's really true. And I find that if I open the laptop, for me, the phone is not so bad simply because the keys are so small. I don't like doing a lot of typing on it. But oh my gosh, if I actually open the laptop before I've done the important life things like meditate, exercise, and you know, check in with myself, the day just does not go nearly as well. Absolutely. And Victoria, let me, if I can add a few more things for your listeners about some speaking tips, because yes, I wanted to make sure to, to let them know this. So I know that, especially when we have a vegan message, and oftentimes when we're in front of an audience who are not already vegans or who may not even be going in that direction necessarily. So we, we know it's always a little bit tricky because we're not sure how the audience is necessarily going to relate to what we're doing. So this is what I encourage speakers to do is that 
to try to put themselves back in the shoes of when they first started their vegan journey and take the audience along with them on the process of discovery that you went on in your vegan journey. It's almost like a detective story. So relate to them the clues and the information that you were getting along your process of discovery. And that's going to make it much more relatable to the audience. And also that way you're sharing your background, your expert, your experience, your expertise, your credibility. And so that they're, they're getting all of that versus, you know, the, this is what you should be doing type of approach, which doesn't work very well with most people. That is so brilliant because if it worked for you, it's obviously going to work for somebody else. And I think sometimes once we've adopted something and it's part of our lives, we just figure, well, everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. I don't need to tell people, you know, put greens in your smoothie. Everybody does that. There are millions of people who have never heard that. <laughs> right. So, that, yeah, that's a great point. It becomes second nature to us. And that's why it's helpful to go out and and deliver your presentations to repeatedly to different types of groups so you can get a sense of where they are in their in the process of what they know and don't know yet Mm. to help make their journey attainable exactly yes because that's what's so frustrating sometimes when you're sitting if you're sitting in the audience and you have someone up there talking about a topic that you have no previous background in and they're talking terms and jargon and you feel lost and you become disengaged and you become frustrated. And as speakers, of course, that's not, that's the last thing we want to do. So hit us with a few more tips and tricks, Carol. This is going so quickly. It is. It always goes so fast talking with you, Victoria. So another great tip for speakers is when you're first starting your presentation is to get a sense of the audience and where they're at. So you can ask a few probing questions in the beginning, even with, I think we talked about this last time, talking to some audience members, even before you get up in front of them. But then when you're starting your presentation, start with a story, an intriguing question, again, that kind of detective process of discovery, an intriguing question that you want to pose to the audience to make them curious, or it could be a, something, a startling statistic or a, a research study. Again, you don't want to bog them down too much in the beginning with data, but starting with the story is good. And then at the very end, leave them with just have them pick one thing that they can do next, the next simplest step they can take on their own with based on the information you've given them because you've been teaching them something and then something they can do with you. So if you're an entrepreneur or you're a coach and you offer services or products, let them know how they can go deeper with you so that you that you are a resource and that you are offering something, ideally something free, like I'm offering the free PDF to the listeners here, and then also offering a way that they can work with you or buy your product or service. Well, that was just what I was going to ask next, because I I know I've worked with you and I know you're terrific and you do not only one on one work, but you have webinars and 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 group things that are very affordable. So how does somebody find you if they're interested in that? The best thing to do is to go to the special page that I set up for listeners of the Main Street Vegan show. So if they go to speakingyourbrand.com slash Main Street Vegan all together, they can download that free PDF. But I also have a special offer where they can sign up for a complimentary 30-minute strategy session with me. So they, right, because I really want to help your listeners out there because I know what big hearts that they have. And so I'm willing to, to do that. I've already had some people sign up from last time who went to the page. So I'm looking forward to talking with them. And that really is the best entryway because I get to know then how I can best help them by having that in-depth conversation. Oh, that's wonderful. And and that's, that's a very generous gift. Thank you so much, Carol. My pleasure. Oh, wow. That means the world. And we will put all of of Carol's information on the show notes at MainStreetVegan.net. She's pretty easy to find. She's speaking your brand uh, (laughs) in a lot of places. And Carol, bless your heart. Thank you so much. And I'll be seeing you next month. I know you're coming up to teach for the Main Street Vegan Academy Masterclass. And it will be wonderful to have, have your... In person, speaking in person. (laughs) Yes, it will be great. I love the online, but there's nothing like being face-to-face. That's so true. Well, bless your heart. Thanks for everything. Thank you. And 
Okay, and listeners, stay with us. We're going to be back with everything you've always wanted to know about fitness, but didn't have Mindy Collette to ask. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Every moment we live can be holy. And all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer. And by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everyone. So happy to have you with us today. I want to direct your attention to the blog over at MainStreetVegan.net. It's about inflammation. Do you ever get confused about inflammation? That's one of the things, you know, people talk about pro-inflammatory foods and anti-inflammatory foods, and yet if you fall down and cut yourself, you want there to be inflammation because that's part of the healing. It seems very complex, but Teresa Ford, a wonderful um, vegan lifestyle coach and educator in London, Ontario, has made it really simple with all kinds of links for more information. So do check out that post on inflammation. Another thing that I'd like to let you all in on is a book that maybe a lot of you read when it was new back in 2002. I was sure when I was given a copy last week that I had already read it, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and I was just going to read it a second time. But I know now that this is the first time I've read it because it is so life-changing. I would never have forgotten it. Ordinarily, when I find a book that magnificent, I invite the author to be on the show. But unfortunately, the author passed away a couple of years ago. But I cannot encourage you enough to get hold of a copy of The Dominion of Love, Animal Rights According to the Bible. 
So if you happen to be a Jewish or Christian person, or you come from a Jewish or Christian background, or you ever have occasion to speak with a Jew or a Christian about animal issues or veganism, this book is blowing me away. So I hope if you read it, you'll let me know what you think, because I'm loving it to pieces. The author is the late, great Norm Phelps, so do check that out. And now it is my great pleasure to introduce more formally the beautiful Mindy Collette, a vegan of seven years, fitness model, personal trainer, writer, fashion, and animal lover. Having begun ballet at age four and Pilates in high school, Mindy's personal training style incorporates dance form, Pilates breathing, yoga movement in conjunction with weightlifting and strengthening exercises. And she has a great new fashion organizing interesting thing in the works and we'll talk about that welcome mindy collette thank you so much for having me it's so wonderful to have you you know you're one of those people that i heard about before i met you and so it's like meeting a celebrity and that's always (laughs) extra fun so tell us your story mindy how did you first come to veganism well, um, I actually was doing my first uh, bodybuilding fitness show. I was a figure competitor in 2009, and it was May 3rd in Bend, Oregon. And um, there was this guy running around backstage. He had a long blonde ponytail. He was just super bubbly. He was chatting with everybody, so nice and encouraging. And uh, I was kind of, it was my first time, so I was really nervous and not really sure what was going on. And I was new to working out as it was in the gym. And uh, he came up and introduced himself to me, and he said, Hi, I'm Robert Cheek. (laughs) And at the time, I was like, Okay, you're kind of crazy, and I like it. (laughs) And so, you know, in my nervous, you know, state, I just was like, Oh, nice to meet you. Hi. And I kind of went back to warming up, and I ended up placing fairly well. I did second. That's great. Yeah. And um, over the course of like the next month or so, Robert found me on Facebook, and we kind of started chatting. and. Um, you know, he sent me his vegan bodybuilding and fitness book and kind of got me introduced to the forum. Honestly, up until that point, I didn't even know what vegan was. I never heard that term before until May 3rd, 2009. I was like a vegan bodybuilder, not even just vegan bodybuilding, but vegan alone. I just had no concept. Um, of course I'd heard of vegetarianism because I had actually, um, had my own little interaction with vegetarian lifestyle before that, um, in and out through school and college and whatnot, I'd kind of gone back and forth. And every time I did it, it was because I knew I felt better when I wasn't. Um, but it kind of started because actually my dad's a hunter. And while that's a very controversial term in the vegan world, um, I, he doesn't do it for sport. And so knowing my dad's heart, I know that he doesn't mean it in an evil kind of way. Um, so it's been a really interesting journey uh, on that also, but, um, I, I kind of started seeing animals dying and, and seeing them on my plate. So I made that connection pretty early on. Um, so when v, uh, Robert started talking about veganism, it really connected with me. And um, I read his book and got connected online. And before you knew it, I was living the vegan lifestyle and learning so much and following people like you online and, and just learning and growing. And it's been such a honestly miraculous and healing journey for me so well well, you develop quite a reputation early on because i feel like i've i've heard of you for many (laughs) years so that's interesting that you started in 2009 now a lot of people who go vegan don't get this great warm welcome from their family of oh we're so glad that you've opened our eyes to this and we will support you in every way possible so can you talk a little bit about kind of the response you got from the people closest to you yeah of course you know, I, I think early on, um, I you know that feeling. You get that burning passion in your heart, and you want everyone to know, and you want everyone to feel the same way that you do. And, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot. I think I came across really strong to my family in the beginning, and, and I apologize for that because they know me now, and I know them now, and we know each other in a way that we can communicate about it, and it's no issue. Um, but it did take some time. Um Granted, I was probably a little bit hypersensitive to things, too. They would ask questions like, oh, well, does this sausage taste like meat? And I'd be like, I don't know. Like, I haven't eaten sausage in years. How would I know? And I would kind of become defensive and, um, you know, not my brightest shining moments. 
Um, but you know, over time we've come to a place where I, I do get encouraging words from them and oh. they'll share posts. Um, when Robert Cheek and I were on the uh, front cover of Vegan Health and Fitness magazine, my sister-in-law posted the image and sh- shared it on her Facebook and was just saying, you know, even though our lifestyles are different and we see differently, um, this is my sister-in-law and I love her so much and we couldn't be more proud. And those are such touching moments and oh, to have that are. sort of um, reciprocated support and love is just, you know, it's bar none. There's nothing else that compares to that. So oh. it has really come full circle. It's beautiful. That's, that's so great. And that's why I always encourage people stay with it. Yeah. You know, don't, if, when people aren't necessarily supportive, you still love them. You can support them, Absolutely. but don't give up just to be accepted because they need some time to come around and yes. it usually happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. So, so you started out as a dancer. Dancers fascinate me. I took dance as a kid, but I was always the fat kid and Tatiana Dukadowski, the rather stern Russian ballet mistress at the Conservatory of Music in, in Kansas City, would always look at me and, and say, kick, maybe you will lose some weight. It's like, but I'm not here to lose some weight. I'm here because I want to be beautiful yeah. like a ballerina. So tell us about that background and let us be vicarious ballerinas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So actually, I started dancing because my older sister um, was really fascinated with dance and she wanted to do a dance class. And so my parents first put her in and I think she did one year and then I joined the second year. Um And she liked it, but she kind of went her own way. I think she went into cheerleading after that. And then she graduated high school and kind of went about her life. Um, And I really just fell in love with it. And I want to say I was four my first year. And it was a ballet tap combination class. So Mm -hmm. half of the class is ballet. And then you took a little short break and changed into your tap shoes. And um, I learned so much. I had a dance teacher. And that first year, it was she was incredible. Um. But at the very end, I want to say maybe a month before the performance, the other girls had been in dance before. And she said, okay, so now from this point of the song on, we're doing it all in reverse. And boy, was that a learning lesson. (laughs) So we had to reverse the whole everything on the other side and turning different ways. And it was a really and I think that struggle and that first face of trial in dance really took me to the next level where I was like, okay, I want to keep going with this. Um, I went on, I danced with um, actually a Christian dance group for a while um, in Oregon. And then I went to a dance teacher who um, I met because I kept auditioning and doing the children's part in um, the Nutcracker for the Eugene Ballet Company. Um, So I did that for about four years. And then I went on and did the Waltz of the Flowers. And at that point, I was dancing with Miss Susan Chitwood, who is Um, an incredible dance teacher, very hard, but incredible. She actually was from New York and had done ballet here. Um, And then I I joined a a modern dance company at the tail end of high school and worked with them for a while. And then I went to college and I continued to pursue dance at that time. Um, Throughout all of that, there's so many (laughs) stories and pieces, but I think the most valuable thing that dance taught me was a dedication and, be a love for being in a theater and being on stage and moving um, and music and just learning that. And, um, you know, it's funny that you said that about your teacher, though, about weight, uh, because I remember in high school, we were given our own solos for performances. And um, it was my first year having, I, I want to say, three or four. And oh, two weeks before the performance, this other girl, it was her first year having a solo. She quite literally just fell to the floor and started crying. I think it was just an emotional overload. And she said, I'm not doing this. So Miss Chitwood turned to me and said, well then, Mindy? And I'm like, okay. So I had to learn her whole dance in two weeks. Um, And somewhere in that time of training, uh, she paused the class while yelling a bit and said, none of you could ever be professional dancers except for Mindy. And as she walked to me, she slapped my waist and my hips and said, except she's too thick. And, oh, believe me, my mother had words, (laughs) but also that stuck with me. So I I think there's some pros and cons in dance. And I think we need to kind of learn to accept that not everyone's going to be a frail dancer. And actually, Misty Copeland is a beautiful example of that these days. It's nice to see someone with strength um, and size. 
I remember when my daughter was studying acting at the neighborhood playhouse, she talked about some of her classmates who were on the dancer diet. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's that? And she said, cigarettes and Diet Coke. Oh, And so you know that the idea of health has to underlie yeah. what, whatever it is that we do for ourselves. And I, I've read that Balanchine was probably the first to really bring eating disorders into dance yeah. because that, that, that one body type was the only one that was revered. Yeah. But then you went from that into another type of, of working with your body that actually makes you what Miss Chit would, would have said, you know, a little thick. bit thicker in <laughs> yeah. some places. So how did that all happen? Um, well, so as I got a little bit older, I was actually living in Eugene, Oregon, and I didn't want to pursue just ballet any longer because I didn't want to have an eating disorder. <laughs> um, so I kind of was feeling it out. I really fell in love with modern and contemporary movement. Um, I, I did classes there. But as I kind of stepped out of college, it was hard to find a group that I fit with. And so I kind of naturally, through an ex, actually, who got me into the gym for the first time, I got a trainer and I kind of started learning, you know, what was going on. And the first trainer I had, um, kind of, she knew I had a dance background, so she wasn't really giving me anything. It wasn't really pushing me. And I kind of started looking around and I saw this woman, actually, she was uh, 54, she was there every single day. It was a Gold's Gym in Eugene. <clears throat> and she wore gloves, and she was always lifting weights. And I thought, man, she looks incredible. And she's here every day, and she is doing weights like the guys. And so I quite literally just started kind of like watching her, and I was scared to kind of do it. So it wasn't until I moved to Southern Oregon, got into a gym that had like a small women's only space that I started remembering what this woman was doing. I found Jennifer Nicole Lee online and in magazines, and I started really, like, tracking her workouts, and I was like, okay, they're doing weights too, and honestly, that was it. Um, And I started, I want to say June or July of 2008. In October, I had a um, trainer come to me at the gym that I was going to and ask me if I was competing, and so apparently I'd reached my goal. I didn't even mean to. It was just kind of like I just wanted to learn everything there was, learn about it, um, and then in May I was on stage. So it was kind of a quick transition, honestly, wow. from my time that I really started going to the gym and figuring it out to being. Yes. Where I was. So explain to us the difference. I think that people who aren't in that world of that, I'm just going to use bodybuilding as sure. the kind of overall catch all term. When we first moved to New York, my husband and I went to an art exhibit about female bodybuilders oh, wow. and I found it interesting and he found it he would probably say frightening because we're talking women probably many on steroids who had certainly proven that women could build muscle but it just didn't seem quite right and yet I look at you and you're absolutely exquisite I mean you. you know I mean you're you're healthy you don't have any fat you certainly have muscle, but you don't have like muscles that you know <laughs> look unnatural. <laughs> look unnatural, or, or or that would keep you from wearing the the clothes that would fit your torso, right? You know, and because I I know I've talked to some of the male bodybuilders, and they have to get their shirts made because the the shirt that would fit them and their their waist and their chest, their arms are just so big they can't wear. So and, and you're not at all like that. You're just perfectly proportioned, and I know that. That fitness model and and bikini competitor and all these things are different levels within that world. So just educate us on what that's all about. Okay, sure. So um, bodybuilding is what you talked about, and there are some natural bodybuilders. In fact, vegan um, Jahina Malik is actually a vegan bodybuilder. She's been vegan since birth, and she is an IFBB pro. And wow. so she has really changed the game as far as that goes, and she's natural. And um, she's a beautiful example of what you can look like without going too far. She actually went into physique. So physique is the tiered down or under bodybuilding where you still do the poses. It's a little bit more feminine. She gets to not be softer by any means because bodybuilding – uh, on a whole, the way the competitions work, it requires you to have very extreme, actually unhealthy, <laughs> for the most part, dieting um, regimens up to the point of competing. Um, from physique, 
then there's a uh, figure and figure is high heels and the bikini is a little different than the bodybuilding and the poses are a little gentler. Um, and then there's bikini, which is then even softer, a little bit less muscle tone, just leaner, um, tight. And they really focus on like your glutes being up. Um, and then there's the fitness model category, which is what I'm doing actually in the end of the month in um, Texas with Team Plant Built. Uh, and that one is, they want to see definition, but they do want to see you looking natural. And they want to know that it's real, that it's usable functional muscle. So you get on stage and you have um, a very short little routine type of thing, maybe 15, 30 seconds of posing with whatever athletic gear you would do. So if you're a baseball player, you could do baseball and you could kind of show that. So it's kind of fun to kind of showcase your actual um, interests and not mm. just the gym. Um, so fitness modeling is is a... Um, for me, it feels more natural and easier. Um, not easier in the sense of I don't put in the work because I do, um, but I know that I have a consistent diet. I know that if I need to lean out, it's a couple weeks of hardcore salad eating and cut back a little bit on some of my, you know, fun carbs or that, you know, three little birds ice cream, <laughs> things like that, my little treats. Um, and so, for me, it's just this more sustainable lifestyle, and that's kind of why I've so uh, chosen to stay on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what's the thing that you do? The sports thing that you do in competition? Well, so last time I went out and I did some yoga poses. Um, this time, believe it or not, I'm still kind of figuring out what I'm going to do. I've only got two weeks to do it. Um, I, I, I'm struggling to decide if I want to do a dance thing or if I want to do um, a yoga or how I want to incorporate it. So I, I'm kind of playing around with that. I'll let you know when I get that nailed in. <laughs> well, whatever you do, I'm sure that it's going to be beautiful. And you mentioned the plant built team. Yeah. And I just wanted to read something that I got from Giacomo Marchese. Mm-hmm. I think I said that right. Uh, Marquise. I Marquise. Okay. I could be saying that wrong. I'm sorry, Giacomo. Well, <laughs> he's, he's been on the show. He's a great guy, but I was asking him some kind of philosophical questions about fitness. And and what he wrote to me, I think, is just brilliant. So I want to share that with with you and, and with our listeners. He says, regarding fitness, for me, it's about quality of life. As we age, our bodies break down, both mentally and physically. Fitness helps build more pathways in my brain and body to keep it more active. And that has carryovers into everything that I do. Also, after 35 years or so of living, we begin to lose muscle mass, and that process accelerates the older we get. Fitness is my pursuit for the fountain of youth. It aids me in reversing the process of aging, more so physically than mentally, but both see a benefit. And the endorphin rush I receive while training is also a nice chemical reaction that I look forward to on a consistent basis. Eventually, we all succumb to nature's way of cleansing the earth. But I want the process to be as graceful as it can be, and I want to feel good while it's happening. He's wonderful. (laughs) That to me is true. Because I think as somebody who was never very interested in fitness and stuff as a kid, because of being overweight and fitness was hard and I had asthma and breathing was hard and, you know, blah, blah. I created all these reasons why it wasn't important because it wasn't as lofty as what we do mentally or spiritually. And, and I read this and it's like, no, it's like the Greeks said, it's, it's all together, body, mind, and spirit. Mm -hmm. He said that so eloquently. That's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. So tell us about your workout. What are your favorite kinds of exercises? Well, um, so I kind of do like I, I like I mentioned in the or you mentioned in the introduction. Uh, I really do like to incorporate, you know, some of my dance training, a little bit of that Pilates, some of the yoga. It all kind of works together. Um, you know, I, I really like functional movements. Um, I think that a lot can be done with just our body weights or adding in um, slight little tweaks and things. So the TRX. I don't know if you've seen those bands. They're the black and yellow. Um, they hang down. They're kind of little loops at the bottom for your hands or feet, and you can adjust them. Um, a lot of gyms have those. Those are amazing tools. You can actually have them in your home also. They're fantastic to just really start to use you know, gravity in your own body weight and kind of 
get into your own workout rhythm so that if you don't have time to go to the gym or, you know, it's really late and the gym's already closed or whatever the case may be, you can still get a good workout on. So I, I really like to find ways to make um, workouts attainable, not just for myself, but for everyone. Um, I really... I've been really enjoying running lately, actually. I kind of started out just doing it because I thought I needed to do some cardio, and I really just kind of found a rhythm, and I'm enjoying it. My brother is a runner, and he taught me some great little chips a few weeks ago, and I'm feeling better and better every single time. So, yeah, I just I like a good balance in my workout. So for what you do as a, a fitness model, it's, it's not as rugged as you've explained to us as a bodybuilder, but is it more than just what somebody would do who wants to be fit and healthy? Um, I, I think the dedication has to be a, a cut above the rest in, mm-hmm. in a way. Um, you really do need to make sure that you're getting, you know, all of your vitamins and nutrients. And it's much easier, of course, to get that on a plant-based diet. Um but you still have to be aware of that and you still have to make that conscious effort to um, when you're tired, you know, go that extra step and do a full salad and have your Brussels sprouts in the oven or whatever the case is. Like, you know, you have to kind of just be conscious. And it really does in, involve, um, you know, more prepping and planning ahead and um, being conscious and conscientious when you go to the grocery store. And, mm. um, you know, as I prepare for the show, I'm doing two a day. So I'm going to the gym for a workout and then I'm going back to do cardio and my core ab workout later and and so there's always um that extra step i feel like you have to do if you're going to be making it a lifestyle choice mm-hmm. in i wonder sometimes just for the average person i i know the government puts out all these different guidelines and things but for me the one time in my life that i really felt astonishingly fit i was living in the country and there was very little to do there. So I went to the gym, just what you're saying, twice a day. Mm-hmm. And on twice a day, <laughs> it was extraordinary. And yet I know that in the real world, it's hard to get there once a day for right. a lot of people. Exactly. It is. So it does require um, some sacrifice on some other ends. And that's part of the reason why I do things, uh, try to find things I can do at home to incorporate. Yeah. So I can be home with the girl. <laughs> well, and you're so dedicated. And I think maybe some of that comes from the dance training. Absolutely. I remember running into you, I don't know if it was two years ago, three years ago, at a vegan event down on the Lower East Side. And it went to, I don't know, 7.38 at night. And you said, I'm wondering if I should go to the gym. Yes, I will. And I remember thinking, hmm, if I had said at 7.30 or 8 at night, I wonder if I should go to the gym. No. <laughs> to hang out with you more so before we run out of time my gosh this show has just flown by you are going to be expanding your your company colette fitness with a new division called aesthetic yeah so the is the website up yet and um, it's it's uh in the process okay. we're actually going to be launching it probably in the next like week or so so oh, there's cool. some under steps happening but yeah working on that okay so. well it's the new aesthetic.com it's the hyphen new hyphen aesthetic with an a a e s t h e t i c dot com i'll put that on the show notes will be a place to go where you can find fashion blogging and the opportunity for subscribers and, and followers to have Mindy either in person or virtually go through your closet with you. How cool is that? So tell us about this aspect of it. If you got the great body, you may as well dress it. <laughs> well, I, I've actually really, I've always loved fashion. And my mom was visiting early May and she said, I was really surprised you're not doing anything with fashion. She goes, before you could even put sentences together, you put your outfits together. And I thought, you know what? That's so true. And I still, to this day, really love it. So I kind of gave it some thought. And um, I'm doing what's called wardrobe renovation. So it's going to be a combination of repurposing what you have, deciding what stays and what goes to, you know, a donation center of your choice. Um, And then rejuvenating it with, you know, me coming in and saying, all right, so what if you tried this piece with this piece and then that accessory and just completely changing, you know, things that you've had around forever that you want to keep, but you don't have to do it. And just kind of me helping you find that way to recreate. Um, and then the third and final step of that is that we would, um, establish a budget based on what your budget is. And I will work with whatever you tell me, um, 
We're going to set some clear goals, and then I will help you. Either if you're, you know, local, we can do some, you know, face-to-face time shopping, or we can just do online, and I can just kind of send you links and show you that you can find that $3,000 jacket for less than $30. Um, so I, I really like to – I love fashion, and I love trendy things, and I think that's great, but I think it's also important to – Think long term. So sure. financially, if we can kind of cut that down and do some thrifting and whatnot, it's just kind That's, of a fun. Oh, that is really exciting because yeah. <laughs> I love fashion too. I, I went from Kansas City to London on my 18th birthday to go to fashion school, and I thought I would be some kind of fashion coordinator. I don't really think I knew what that was. It just sounded good. So I love the girly thing too. My grandmother used to kind of misquote the Bible and she would say, you know, the Bible says that your body is a temple. You're supposed to decorate it. <laughs> so whenever I go shopping and think, should I buy it? Should I not? Yes. <laughs> Grandma said. <laughs> We've just been through this really sweet thing with, with my husband. He has totally gotten on the fitness bandwagon. Awesome. He was already vegan, but ethically and he wasn't thinking you know that much about the other aspects and then all of a sudden in in january he just decided he he upped his fitness stuff he already was doing martial arts but he kind of doubled it and started doing a lot of walking too started eating a lot of raw food lost 50 pounds wow and so we had to go shopping and yeah. first of course is vegan you know you have to research Absolutely. and especially with men's clothes it's a little bit harder they seem to want to put wool and everything mm-hmm. so uh you know we got him re-wardrobed oh. and it's really fun it is, isn't it and it's so honestly we live in such a wonderful time where there's moo shoes mm-hmm. we've got vodka couture we've got the brave gentleman we have these amazing options for really high-end stuff and what's cool is that there's also ways to find it on the low end and so if we can find a balance between that it's amazing i mean the fact that these companies are popping up everywhere is just awesome it's great it's great i mean there's so much online and of course you know in a a place like new york we can actually Mm. go shop and try stuff on (laughs) touch it (laughs) Oh, that is, that's so fascinating. Now, you've got a question here on your list in our last minute, and I look at it. What is your greatest vegan weakness? It's like, this woman has no weakness. Okay, what's your greatest <laughs> vegan weakness? Oh, it's probably vegan ice creams. I mean, with companies coming out, like Breyers having their new almond milk, totally vegan wow. ice cream. Mm. Ben & Jerry's has a vegan ice cream, but also Three Little Birds and things like that. I would probably say as far as food goes, that's my weakness. And I think as far as life weakness and things that keep me from or want to keep me from the gym, honestly, it's my girl, my Java girl. I That dog, I literally would drop anything for her. And there are days where I'm like, I look at her and she just looks so sad that I'm leaving. I'm like, I'm going to come back in an hour. It's okay. You know, there and, needs to be a dog-friendly gym. Yeah. I just picked up a, a flyer at a, a vegan event. Somebody is, is doing a Kickstarter. They want to start a dog-friendly bar here in okay. New York, and, and and they say BYOD, you know, <laughs> bring your own dog, which is cool. Yeah. But why not a dog-friendly gym? Right? Hmm. That's a really, I like this. I okay, like this investors out there. This Let's is start a vegan gym. Yes. Where dogs can come. I love it. I love it. They have child care. Why right? not dog? Oh, Okay. She would be down with that, too. Absolutely. Well, and then you'd be completely perfect. <laughs> well, you, I don't know about that. You'd never have an excuse. <laughs> well, you know, I know nobody's perfect. It's just good for all of us to think that some other people are perfect because then it makes us work a little harder. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> I've got my long list of people ahead of me, too, that I... <laughs> Thank you all for listening today. Thanks to Carol Cox for helping us out with getting to be super-duper public speakers. So be sure to uh, go to speaking, I want to see if it's speaker speaking, speakingyourbrand.com slash Main Street Vegan. Get your PDF, and you can find Mindy on Instagram at Mindy Colette and the-new-aesthetic.com. And you can take advantage of the wisdom of these amazing women. And thank you for being there in the world, making it better. God bless you. Eat your veggies. (laughs) And go to the gym. 
Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. calls upon us to be open to new ideas, new creative ways of thinking, and new ways of doing things. All of the positive changes in our world have been the result of open-minded people looking at some aspect of their world in a whole new way. You can have a more exciting life filled with wonder and glory when you keep an open mind about the new and unusual things that come your way and when you take a new look at what you thought were life's ordinary experiences. Just like the turtle who won't get anywhere in life without sticking its neck out a little, we get a lot further in life by sticking our mental neck out a little every day. You can be open to the changes in your world by starting with your own thoughts. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, words from our past, 
Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.